Yeah, baby, and welcome to Every Month Madness, the show that knows any month is a great month to take popular culture and pit it against itself in an NCAA-style bracket until one thing reigns supreme. And why not? Why not take pop culture and create some ridiculous hierarchy that nobody cares about but us nerds? That's what we do here on Every Month Madness, and this month, the greatest touring rock and roll band, maybe of all time... That's right, kids. It's Pearl Jam. Formed out of the ashes of grunge forefathers, Mother Love Bone, Pearl Jam catapulted to international superstardom with the release of their first album, 10. During the ensuing 30 plus years, they proved to be greater than their grunge label. Inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017, Pearl Jam are now comfortable denizens of the same classic rock categories that hold their idols like Led Zeppelin, The Who, and the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Pearl Jam, 16 songs which our panel will decide among for rock and roll supremacy based on how much they enjoy Pearl Jam's live performances be today's topic. Go in our show notes, download a bracket. If you want to play along, fill it out and see how you do against our panel. Dancing tonight will be Jackie from the Jersey Ghouls, perennial Every Month Madness guest, and our first timer, a rookie, pop culture nerd Ben Kroll. He's actually that first voice you hear when we get started right now. And I'm also representing the millennials. Wow. Yeah, on the other side of the, the fence. I, I don't know if you thought about that, but I am a millennial. Yeah, I know. I don't think of you as a millennial. Because I think a lot of people these days confuse some of the Gen Z stuff with yeah. millennials. The millennials are a bridge generation. Millennials are a bridge generation because we still remember what it was like before the internet. And we were around for the whole thing to like kind of develop. And we're a little too old for the whole TikTok central. OG millennial here. Right. So, so Ben is our novice podcaster and self-acclaimed <laughs> millennial. So welcome to the podcasting world and uh, joined also by perennial every month madness <laughs> guest from the mothership from the Jersey Ghouls. Jackie is also here. I'm so excited to be here because this this episode is a long time coming. I did a total backwards intro there because what I didn't tell the audience yet is what we're doing. We are here today to bracket and to every month madness tournament, the songs of the world's greatest touring rock and roll band, right? That's not hyperbole. Not every single one of us gets behind that, right? This is the world's greatest touring rock and roll band. Yeah, I support that. We are here to bracket and tournament the songs of Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam has been my favorite band since the mid-90s. Go ahead. Even, even after grunge fell out of favor, I, I've seen them 30 times in concert, like so, upwards of 30. Like, I have never not called Pearl Jam my favorite band, even when you, people are like, oh, grunge is over, fucking 90s. Right. <laughs> and, you know, just the apathetic, antagonistic, Pearl Jam, anti-disestablished imperialism. I get it. That's fine. They've been my favorite. Me too. Here's my story. So I am 10 years old. I have an old brother who was six years older than me when your first brother and sister when like when the baby thing happens like it's so cute and he's got a baby sister and yay it's great and fun and then when you learn to walk and talk and you want to do everything that your older brother does and like what they like and talk how they talk and be friends with their friends it's annoying so probably from the ages of like five to eleven 
mortal enemies. Like every time they force <laughs> to babysit me, I end up crying and calling my parents because Brian beat me with the vacuum hose or he told me there was a monster in a closet and then put me in a blanket and put me in the closet with the monster. Like it's a whole thing. Then one day grunge music happens and my brother who was always had been a musician calls me into his room. Have you heard of Pearl Jam? And I'm like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Like, are they like Nirvana? And we start bonding over grunge music. And he's showing me stuff on the guitar. You know, we're watching MTV and I'm in the kitchen and he starts calling, Jack, 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 get in here. Because Jeremy's on or Smells Like Teen Spirit. Right. Watching these music videos. So he's teaching me songs. One of the very first songs I ever learned on guitar was Corduroy. I was just enamored by it. And, and grunge music brought us together. And then skip ahead several years. My brother has always been in bands. Always alternative music. You know, he had his phase where he was like the doors and he always wore leather pants and just an open shirt. And he, he did a good job. <laughs> then one day, he and his friends started a Pearl Jam tribute band. And he was the Eddie Vedder of the band. They had a small but mighty following in the South Jersey, Delaware County, Philadelphia area. When Pearl Jam closed out the Spectrum, they played on the steps of the Spectrum during like tailgating time. So cool. We were hired to play the steps of the Spectrum. So it was it was very cool and we made a ton of friends through the band. The band was called Five Against One. Friends through it that I would have never met under any other circumstances. Like I got accepted into the Jamily and it grew <laughs> and it grew and then I have friends that I only ever see at Pearl Jam concerts or I had seen at Five Against One shows. So it's it's always something that has brought us together. Like I can't listen to Pearl Jam and not think of of my brother that's amazing so ben you missed the first leg of pearl jam legacy and that but you're also a huge fan i am and and i'm very interested in how someone of your age as we said a millennial a millennial how a millennial gets into this band if you've missed out on those formative pearl jam anger years that's a great question Uh, i want to start by saying that since you asked me to do this, which has been probably almost a year. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. That's me. I decided That's how to I operate. double my Pearl Jam experience. And, and I really went back and, and tried to dig out the first leg, as you, as you uh, called it. But in doing so, I kind of realized that I, I am a big fan, but I don't know if I'm in love with Pearl Jam as much as feel. I, I don't know that I'm in the jam league. Not because I don't think it's cool and I don't want to be, but... There are such impressive super fans out there that I think it would be insulting to them to call myself a super fan because as a big fan of them, I also realize that there are people that are just way more into it than I am. Yeah. I think Pearl Jam's awesome. I'm, I enjoy I enjoy their entire catalog. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. right, right. Yeah, yeah. I celebrate the catalog. Uh, but I also <laughs> want to defer and say, you know, I, I realize that there's just some amazing fans out there and it's, it's really impressive to see. But to answer your original question, let's see, 10 came out when I was six. So my parents weren't cool enough for, for that to be <laughs> so to a lot. Uh, but I will say that like a lot of kids, I started to hit my preteen, teen years and explore music. My music started a little older than Pearl Jam because I found my, my dad's vinyls as probably a lot of kids do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would take his vinyls and I would put them onto cassette tapes. Uh, one of the ones I spent the most time with was I think on the A side, I put uh, 
Crosby sells Nash and Young, and on the B side, mm-hmm. which is Neil Young. So cool. Um, and then also, I remember my dad had several Who albums, including Who's Next and Tommy, mm-hmm. and and those blew my mind. So I feel like I kind of had almost did a, you know, Eddie Vedder style entry into classic yep. rock. Yeah. Then I think gave me more of an appreciation for Pearl Jam. As right. A you know, I didn't really discover Pearl Jam until as a millennial. I enjoyed the benefits of Napster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just torrents. Not to say, not to try to say that I, I, I stole some torrents, did you? I, I must admit, maybe the statute of limitations is up on that. I think so. It allowed me to experience a lot of music that I maybe wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Like one Jeff Amon, I'm from the middle of nowhere in Montana, uh, so not a lot of bands playing there. I did a lot of early on, was, uh, you know, like the CD music catalog. Mm-hmm. Buy my music through the catalog. Right, right, right. I was very excited when my Nirvana Nevermind showed up. Yes, yes, I, I think we all do. Yeah, it's actually it's interesting to know what the greater crime would be, Napster or Columbia House. Um, you see, and so I was kind of wondering that because knowing about a little bit about your background and knowing where you grew up, I was wondering if growing up in Montana, the, I was in high school in the, the in the aughts, Montana, in the early aughts. Okay, so I was wondering. I thought maybe being in high school in Montana in the early aughts was akin to being in high school in New Jersey in the 90s. Did, you know, we had the big baggy Jinko jeans. You know, Pearl Jam, it, when I hit the age to listen to Pearl Jam, was when you, you they were kind of falling off, falling off the right. top charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The world had come out, and they were kind of a little bit old news in the eyes of the American public. Yeah. Uh, For sure. And so you had these other bands, the Corns, the Limp mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Yeah. Uh, you know, the anti-boy yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. And grunge definitely fell by the way. Right. And so dabbled in those as well, but they never captured my attention like classic rock did. And so as I got a little older and then left home, I got to experience a lot more things, obviously, like a lot of people do. And and that's really my college years is when I really got into Pearl Jam because it was accessible to me at that point. Did you go back or did you go forward? When the whole catalog's in front of you, you're drawn to whatever's popular. And so it took work for me to to figure out what I liked and what my favorite things were. You know, you, you read a book and then you can never read the book again for the first time. You're jealous of people who you who you recommend the book to and that they get to. So one of the things that I missed out on with Pearl Jam that I wish that I had been able to do was go to the store, buy the record, sit down to it, and listen to it from, from track one on. Right. And I never got to do that. I did that with other albums I had, and, and I remember those albums, and I bonded with those albums more because of that. You know, you hear a song, you know what song's coming next. Right. You feel it. Right. I, I don't have that with Pearl Jam, and I think that's maybe what separates me a little bit from, uh, from, from you folks. In listening to you talk, what I realized what you missed was growing with them and and the and the unexpected nature of not knowing where they would land, how long they'd stay together, whether they would fall apart. They were a tumultuous band for a lot of their history. You know, I never knew when what album would be the, the, the last one. I Same exact story as you, Ben, like the crate of vinyl from my parents. That was an amalgam of their tastes. I was clinging to Billy Joel and Beatles records until I, I remember being in eighth grade, walking along the Seaside Heights boardwalk and hearing what I did not know at the time was Jeremy playing from a from a stand. And one of my favorite things to do in the summer was to take quarters, save quarters I would find and try to win cassettes on the boardwalk. Like they had like a like a carnival wheel where you would win cassettes. And I remember the summer before the summer I heard them play Pearl Jam. I wanted the Skinner cassette. I wanted I know I had like extreme. I was a huge Van Halen fan. And that I think 
think is the markation, right? Like that's why Pearl Jam mattered so much because I, I didn't have anything yet that was true, truly felt like mine. But I heard Jeremy in 1990, I guess it's 92, right? It must've been like the, the fall of 92. Cause, cause 10 comes out in August of 92, 91. 91. No, 91. I was in eighth grade. So it was in 91. So I hear it fall of 91, this song that I can't place for months. And that's the other beauty of it, right? Is that you could spend months looking for a song, right? Like not knowing how to find it. And when I heard it again, I was like, holy cow, what is that? And that joy doesn't exist today. In the instantaneous world of like, what's this? Let me figure out what this is. Hey, what year did that come out again? And we know everything so quickly. The unbridled joy of like- Wonder. Wonder, yeah. Searching. There's also something to be said, and I don't know if anybody else of our, Joe, of our generation can say this, but Jeremy is this amazing song. And somehow it's more amazing because of the music video from MTV. Yeah. You actually get to see everything playing out in the music video. Yeah. Makes it that much more impactful, makes it that much more memorable. I mean, obviously we don't need music videos to make songs popular and that's, you know, a testament to does MTV even do music videos anymore? Right, right, right. We are from that age when... They really mattered. That's that's a lot of times how we got it. Sure, you know, we had our boom boxes and we could play the music and it would... It was always kind of one of those, like, the, the top songs are going to be played at least once an hour or once every few hours. You'll get it. You know, you'll run it and hit record to, you know, right. your tapes. But MTV was such a source of, of getting our music. Like, I I remember being in love with Ricky D. Rack- Rock? Yeah, Ricky Rackman. Yeah. Headbangers, Headbangers Ball. Ball. Yeah. I, I thought he was absolutely adorable. I had yeah. such a crush on him. And it's like, I knew I could go there for certain music. For sure. But it was, it was more than that, too, because I... I, I didn't have the older brother, right? Like I was the older brother. So it was MTV taught me what was cool, what clothes I wanted to aspire to wear. It, it doesn't feel like that far away from wanting the thriller jacket <laughs> to wanting a pair of Chuck Taylors and, you know, an afraid pair of jeans because all of a sudden I wanted to look like Kurt Cobain. When Pearl Jam was on MTV Unplugged, right? I think 91 becomes 92. I get 10 on cassette. Mm-hmm. I play the hell out of it. I, I'm embarrassed by what I would write about the song Alive and how I felt like it was like providing the lyrics to my little eighth grade hardship. I had to go in my mother's bedroom to watch Pearl Jam on MTV Unplugged and that 60 minutes of Eddie on that stool playing through those songs, it was the first time I owned a band. Like I, from that moment, owned that band. MTV Unplugged is the first time ever I learned pro-choice and pro Yes. I had no idea. Never heard of like, a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. never heard of it. Like, never even knew that was something in my universe. And I remember asking about it and learning about it. And, I mean, I'll be damned if I didn't grab a Sharpie and instantly write yeah. pro-choice on yeah. my arm. Like, it yeah. I right. walked around with that constantly. Right. Because it was more than adopting them and their music. It was adopting an ideology and a way of looking at the world that I didn't know. I was going into high school as a people-pleasing little nerd. <laughs> really. I didn't have, and I had a lot to be angry about, but I didn't have the outlets for it. I mean, I didn't know how to express it. And to see them with such unbridled anger about things that I felt like I needed to be angry about too. To be 
angry at fame, to be angry about what was happening to them, to be so flippant and sarcastic about all of these big things happening shaped my worldview because there was an ethic behind everything, right? It was anger, but it was an anger that felt like morally justified. And I don't know, maybe this is overstating. I don't know if I'd be the same person without them. I think that it taught me that there were things in the world that we could be mad about. There was this sort of ethic running underneath it that I think is absent from culture today, right? I needed something to wear that was more than just an album and more than just a finding an old piece of flannel from my abuelo's closet. Like I needed to wear like an ideology at 14. And I think, I don't think people get, get it from culture anymore. I don't, I don't know where they get it. You I know hear what you're saying. I've always been really impressed with the way that Pearl Jam, they were very mature. You look back and I don't just mean their, their ideology, although I do mean that as well, but their music, you look back at 10 and a lot of bands first albums seem very amateur. Mm -hmm. And even if the, the music, the musicality is an amateur, maybe the themes or, mm -hmm. you know, right. and it just doesn't age well, but as we'll get to with some of the songs yeah, yeah. play live, I mean, 10 ages better than a lot of that. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, or even an album from that year, yeah. you know? And so to connect that with, with just the activism piece, I think that people get their ideologies from everything they consume and maybe it wasn't the same you know, you say you brought up today's music. I think it's still out there. It's it's presented differently. You know, social media has changed the landscape of that entirely. So I just think you have to maybe work a little harder as an individual to figure out what it is you believe. Like as a right. person, there's just so much out there. It's a lot harder on you to find your way, maybe. Whereas there's just less stuff in 1990. Kids today are not searching so much for what who they are as much as they're searching for stuff to consume. And I and I just don't know that culture can be dominated anymore by Michael Jackson, by Eddie Vedder. You know what, you say that, and I, I, I wonder, our parents' generation, like is that what they, like what they thought Oh, their about, culture was know? absolutely dominated though, Jackie. Elvis, the Beatles, oh, like they were singularity everywhere in that they were able to demarket by like, Ed Sullivan show and yeah. you know Kennedy dies and then like I think there was the streams were like even smaller and the smaller is not the right word there are fewer. yeah fewer like I mean look at oh, well, we're getting deep here Joe we're at the end. <laughs> welcome to every month madness Ben <laughs> <laughs> but you're right look at the way the greatest generation if you will like yeah. in World War II the way they were fed the news of the war yeah. What if World War II had happened 60 years later right. or even 30 it, years later? It doesn't. Um, and it, it would change the, whole, the, the yeah. way the media interacts and the, what how people consume the news. It's just completely different. Mm -hmm. You had what? The, the news clippings or the news the news uh, coming through your, your movies prior to the movies starting at the movie theaters. You right. A little clip of war. Right. It's all, it's all fake. Um, that's how you got your news, <laughs> right, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Now it's you get you get news everywhere, whether it's good or bad. That comes whether you want it or you don't, yeah. Pearl Jam was counter culture the grunge scene was counter it was in defiance of glam rock it was in defiance of pop music it was against our parent my parents did not understand Pearl Jam they didn't like that Eddie Vedder and his brooding and his holding hugging himself and his growling is not I mean my darling yeah <laughs> right now we appreciate it all right I got some trivia that will decide who gets to pick first so basically how our game works is we're taking Pearl Jam songs and this was a genius stroke by Ben to because I was having 
having a hard time paring down the music. So he said, let's do live performances. So we are putting into our every month madness bracket today, and you can go and play along with us in the show notes. You will find a blank bracket. That is a starter bracket that will um, show you where we are right at this moment. And our guests have not seen this bracket. They've been giving a list of 20 Pearl Jam songs alphabetically. I have built that list from various sources, from everything from the Pearl Jam 10 Club um, frequency of songs played live to Rolling Stones uh, favorite Pearl Jam live songs, Paste, Grinder, did Loudwire. I got a survey from WMMR, which is a Philadelphia radio station that has a long and storied relationship with the band, going back to when they played at JC Dobbs back in 1991. They put out a list of their favorite Pearl Jam live songs. The way I worked it was I took the top 15 from each of those lists. One through five got two points. Five through 10 got, or one through five got three points. Five through 10 got two and 10 to 15 got one point. And then I made our, I made our cuts of top 16 based off of those numbers. All that said, we have a list of 16 Pearl Jam songs that will be vying for the top spot. We did two listener polls on Twitter and on Instagram. Those two listener choices will move on to the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Our guest panelists do not know which two songs will move on yet. They will decide whether or not they agree with our listeners and we will go back and forth picking our 16. So if you want to play along, go print out a bracket. It's in the show notes. And then at the end of the episode, we'll have a final bracket for those of you who uh, who read books backwards and like to see the uh, results at the end. You can probably click on that now, too. All right. Pearl Jam had five drummers, five drummers in their history. Can you guys name? Can you collaborate to name the five? And which of you can name? You can name all five. You want? Let's do a little name that, too. I don't think I can name all five. Really? So Ben thinks he could do all five in order. How many do you think you could do? I've got, th- I'm blanking on two. I've got three. Okay. And I'm blanking. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's, yeah. you name that tune, Ben. Uh, Go ahead, in order. Pressure. Go ahead. Dave Cruson. Dave Cruson, number one. Yep, Matt Chamberlain. Matt Chamberlain, number two. What became of Matt Chamberlain? Why did he leave the band? SNL. He played on the SNL house band. You're an upcoming band. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Pretty safe move. That's a good move. I was thinking the same thing because that's good money. It's a recurring gig. Yeah, I can't blame Matt Chamberlain. All right, go ahead. Dave Eberzies. Yeah. Jack Irons. Jack Irons. And our boy. And then, of course, Matt Cameron. Yeah, Matt Cameron. Very nice, Ben. The number one most frequently played Pearl Jam song, you guys know this because I know you both checked the catalog, is what? You didn't. No, I'm trying to. Okay. Okay. You're talking about 800 um, plus live performances of which song? I'm going to guess Alive. Go ahead. So here's where my trivia question comes in, because I think most people would guess Alive. It is not Alive. Alive is number two. But it also has 800 some. Seven. It's nearing eight. It's like seven and change. The number one song is not Alive, but... Is it Jeremy? No. Nope. Even flow. Even flow. It's even flow. It does have the better McCready solo. It does. It does. And it's got a lot of uh, Pearl Jam, uh, Eddie antics during the solos and stuff like that. We'll talk about that when we get to it because it is on the list. But my trivia question was this. There really is only one reason why Alive isn't number one. It has less to do with the band's choice of playing that song than with the fact that they boycotted their own song for several years, giving even flow a chance to surpass. Do either Either of you know, well, Jackie, we'll let you go first. Do you know why Pearl Jam didn't play the song Alive for quite some time following a certain event? Mm, nah, that, that gives it away, doesn't it? I don't think I know this one. No. Then I know you do, so could you tell me? That's why. Okay, yeah, neither did I. But your hint was pretty telling. Yeah. So I'm assuming it has to do with Russ Gillard. Yeah, okay. yeah. So you want to talk about what happened? Did you, I guess you, you saw this I too? Mean, maybe someone who was alive, or not alive, aware of Russ Gilder when it happened would be better to talk about it, but <laughs> I, I only... I only know about it in the historical yeah so tragically and awfully nine people die 26 people are injured at a pearl jam show which i think i think is a festival, a festival yes. show that's what i'm looking for it's a festival show it's a show that pearl jam had played say 
at least half a dozen times in their history um, in a venue that they had played before. And people died in the in the GA uh, area. Pearl Jam has such a storied history <clears throat> from somebody who was chasing Pearl Jam bootlegs his whole life. Eddie has documented cases of stopping mosh pits. In fact, I was at a show where he closed down. He shut down, left the stage because someone threw a shoe at him and he thought the mosh pit was getting too crazy. They were a really conscious band and yet succumbed to the chaos of that day and people getting trampled and ultimately tragically lost their lives. Alive was the song Pearl Jam was about to play when they found out that people had been killed and they also just felt like it was inappropriate for lyrical reasons and they stopped playing the song for, for quite some time. It was a lot of fan prompting stories of the song saving people's lives, yeah. letters that Eddie got saying that I, I think I would have taken my life if not for the song Alive that pushed them to bring it back and put it back into the catalog. But it probably would surpass even flow if not for that hiatus. Probably appropriate hiatus. All right, two more. Pearl Jam plays Saturday Night Live four times. 92, 94, 06, 2010. Three of the four are all in the month of April. They play in 2010 in March. Do you think, could you guys name any of the stars, the guest stars of any of Pearl Jam's Saturday Night Live performance? I think it's interesting to look at the list <laughs> of who's hosting their four shows. So Pearl Jam plays a live and even flow in 92. They do a rehearsal of Porch that doesn't make the air. Do you guys know who the host was? Starlet of that era. Blonde bombshell of that era. Appears opposite Arnold in a few movies. Appears opposite Michael Douglas in her star-turning role. Sharon Basic Instinct Stone was the host of Saturday Night Live in 92. In 94, male star... Famous family, famous brother, famous dad. He's the only one who Charlie. kept the Spanish. Bro, that's close. Emilio, Emilio is the host in 1994. This is the funny one. Oh, 2006, Pearl Jam's the musical guest. The host, I don't even know how to explain her. I just watched her in a Hallmark movie, though. <laughs> oh, 06. Lindsay Lohan. Yes. Holy cow, that was amazing. That was amazing. All right. Two cover songs in our list. Keep on rocking in the free world and Crazy Mary. We'll talk about that coming down. What is, besides those two, those are the two most frequent Pearl Jam covers played by the band since they started playing. What is the third most frequent Pearl Jam cover besides those two? Uh, what? I, I was going to say. I know, which is crazy because they recorded Last, Last Kiss. And isn't Last Kiss like... It's up there. It's up there. Like, it's up there. One of their all-time... Because they recorded it. Ones. So you're saying this was not This recorded. was a not a recorded... They, I don't know. It may be on something as a B-side, but right. it, not to the extent of, you know, Last Kiss and Soldier oh. Love were released oh. as a... Bob O'Reilly. It is Bob O'Reilly. or Or as less, less adept people would call, Teenage Wasteland. Two of the biggest pet peeves... And, I, and you know what? I'm saying this... Here, here's my speech. As someone who loves horror movies... I'm a hypocrite because Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. I'm not one of those people that will ever correct you. If you call the monster Frankenstein, that's fine. And you don't right. call it Frankenstein's right. monster, whatever. Though you it, know better. It, whatever. <laughs> but if you call elderly woman hearts and thoughts, <laughs> I will physically... That is, that's the one that gets you? It's, oh my God. I don't know how many times. And now granted, again, not so much Pearl Jam shows, but my brother's band, Five Against One, they're playing bars up and down Delco and, and Philly and all that. And we're in the crowd and then someone starts playing and there's always one girl. And she's like, oh my God, hearts and thoughts. This is my favorite Pearl Jam song. Uh, I'm like, I, 
we're going outside right now. We are going outside and I'm fighting you. Like, it is the biggest pet peeve when someone calls it. And I get it. They don't say the name of the song in the song. Right. It's fine, but... Well, Eddie himself has 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 lamented that title, right? He says he wished he could go back and rename it. He he thinks that the version of himself that gave that long title was a bit pompous. He said he would rename the song Breath if he could name it today. Have you ever read that? Which is weird, though, because that would mean that Pearl Jam would have a song called Breath and a song called Breathe. So <laughs> that, too, is weird. Yeah, yeah, and then Just Breathe. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah, that's right. So let's get into it for... Songs do not make their list, and Keep on Rocking the Free World is one of them. It would be an honorable mention. I'm actually okay with that. I, I am as well. Yeah. Okay. I love Neil. Yeah. It's yeah. a fun song. It is, but I'm, I'm okay with Yeah, that. I think Neil does it so well that I don't need Eddie and the boys to do it. You know what I mean? Um, Why Go? Just barely missed it. And Why Go's, Why Go's a good song, not a song I need on the list. Yeah. The later tours that he's really pumped up that song with the crowd. The crowd has really gotten into that song lately. So I've, I've enjoyed that song more in, in late and later tours. Um, so those are two. We'll, we'll hit some more that didn't make the list as we go, but let's jump right in. Our number one overall seed in the Pearl Jam live performance bracket is from Vitalogy Corduroy. <laughs> number one versus number 16, a little ditty ending the album versus indifference. Number one, Corduroy versus number 16, Indifference. Uh, Jackie? To, to me, this one is an absolute no-brainer with Corduroy because the beginning, the beginning yeah. guitar riff of Corduroy, especially when there's like chaos going on and then there's just that one note of doom, 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 doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he slows it down <laughs> yeah. and then goes right into Corduroy. Yeah. The crowd swells. Like, yeah. To me, uh, Indifference, good. It's it's fun. It's, a, it's another crowd sing-along song, mm -hmm. which is always a good time. But Corduroy is such a good song, and that beginning is so impactful to me that to me it's a no-brainer. Okay, Corduroy. Here's where I need to ask a question about the rules of the game. Is this the song, like just any version, like we're looking at the song only as a live song? How, what's what are the rules? I would say, and this is this could be this could be up to you. Um, I would say, you know, you. I always think of you because you're always so good at this. You're like, I play this like this. You know, like <laughs> what movie would I like to watch? If <laughs> so, I, the way I get two, I have two. I'm at the video store. I have two movies. I would think of it as you're there, you're in, you're your second row. You're pressed up against the gate. They just went, you know, the stage just went black. And what are they going to cut? Which would you prefer? Well, you're only going to get to see one back. song. You're not going to see it. They won't play the difference at the opening. No, no, I have heard them play. I've heard them play in difference, all different spots. That's the other beautiful thing about them is they just, they break their own rules. But God, which song would you rather be there to hear them play live? I love Corduroy. It's an awesome song. I love the studio cut of it. And I even like it live. But I think for live shows, like the, one of the show, the, I've only been to one show, but the show I went to, <laughs> they, they came out on the encore, brought Ben Harper out. Oh. And, you know, and then you, you just add in that, like, Boom gets a whole yeah. portion in there. Yeah. It's, just, it's like an awesome concert. So song. cool. So I love yeah. Corduroy's great, but I, I think I have to go with Wow, going with the 16 seed yeah. indifference. I, I love indifference. And and I'll I will say that indifference is one of those songs that was not on my radar till the first time I saw them live. They yeah. played it on Randall's Island touring the Versus album. It's the first time I ever saw Pearl Jam. It was raining. I swear the rain stopped as the song the rain 
slowed as the song was ending. And at that point in my life, I think it was a, I might've been a senior in high school, a freshman in college. I could have, I would have believed Eddie was controlling the weather. I, I would have bought that. And man, to hear Eddie sing that song live and then to have, it's just, that's, it's such a breathtaking song live. So I agree with you, Ben. However, doesn't matter because Corduroy gets pushed to the Elite Eight by our listeners. Our listeners actually give Corduroy the bye into the next round, so I don't have to break your tie. The tie was broken by I, listeners. You know, I will just to a quick eulogy um, for indifference. It was a pretty good makeout song in high school. Boy, that's an intense making yeah. out, Jackie. <laughs> that, that that may or may not have been one of my choice like yeah. makeout songs. They they're so good at that like that break, right? The musical break where they just, where they take the song in a different direction and an unexpected place. And Eddie has played with inflection and with which syllable he chooses to scream over the last 20 years. And I'll hold the candle till it burns on my arm. That line, I mean, still to this day as a grown ass man that hits just as hard as it did when I was a 16 year old, you know? All right. Very good. All right. Next one, number two overall. And I, I was surprised by this as the number two song until I really started to think about it. But number two overall is Better Man facing off against our number 15 seed, Crazy Mary. There are no bad songs on this. There's only 16 Pearl Jam songs. There's no bad songs on this list. So this is a conversation that we started to have in our text message chain about Better Man on Vitology. It's an okay song versus Better Man Live, which in in the most perfect situation, Eddie starts to play guitar, the lights kind of dim to mm -hmm. a pretty blue, and he lets the crowd sing the whole yes. first verse. He lets the crowd do the chorus, and then the band comes in. Yeah, or his groan comes in. Yeah. It, it, the resonance of his like, you know, it yeah. all of a sudden now fills we the space. A, I'm, I'm goosebumps. Yeah, I know, I know. And then we play the song, and then we go right in to save it for later. Yeah, a song that's just so good on its own. It is, it is, it is. So we have that, as I get goosebumps talking about it, versus one of my, like literally, top yeah. five Yes. Pearl Jam song. Yes. Crazy Mary. And I know people that absolutely love Crazy Mary. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a deal breaker for I, me. I love this song so much. When he sings it by himself, when he sings it with Victoria Williams. Victoria Williams? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. He sings he it with sings her. sings it with her. Yeah. Like, it's, that's such a hard choice for me. I know, me too. Like, I don't, I, I truly don't know. And I'm going to wait to, I'm going to wait, but I, I feel I have so much attachment to both things. So I hear you. I don't envy you. This is why Ben won trivia. Yeah. To not have the, the, being, being at the show, I think we talked about this last weekend, being at the show when Eddie was talking about Crazy Mary, talking yes. about how she was crazy, and then he started to sing, and then the microphone cut out. And he's like, there was like a feedback. Yeah, and he was like, whoa, yeah, yeah. And then he was like, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Mary. Yeah. Basically, this hurts me. I don't know what to do. Crazy Mary. Okay. Crazy Mary. Crazy Mary. That, that was hard. It was hard. It was so hard. Ben? Okay. I don't have the attachment to Crazy Mary that everybody has. Oh. <laughs> I think it's a great song. I think the story behind it is very cool. So cool. I get 
you can murder me if you want. I get Dave Matthew vibes. Dave Matthews vibes when I listen to uh, Crazy Mary. Oh my I, God. I Dave Matthews singing sometimes. It's really, I just, it's like a Dave Matthews jam <laughs> song to me. Yeah. Sorry. And I love Dave Matthews, but uh, uh, Better Man. I'm going with Better Man. Oh, wow. Okay. I could be way off base, but maybe next time you listen to it, just think, hmm, Dave. Oh, uh, yep. Dave Matthews. There it is. Okay, well, I'm not going to go into why you're wrong yet, Ben, okay? Because because I'm going to choose Crazy Mary. So let, let me say that, let's talk about Better Man. Eddie did not want to record this song. Do you know this story? So it's it's on the Versus sessions, yeah. Brendan O'Brien, who he was always fighting with, loved it. He knew Brendan loved it. He tried to give it to Chrissy Hine. Chrissy Hine flaked out at the last second. Like, all this history would have kept that song from being recorded. And then they recorded for Vitalogy, and I don't think it does anything for me when I hear that song. I don't think I thought about that song for a second, but Eddie didn't want to write a pop song. But the truth is, is that Pearl Jam has always written pop songs, Eddie. You've oh, you've been writing <laughs> pop songs the whole time, Eddie. And I mean, you've just opened the box a little bit to one of the things that's great about Pearl Jam is they're like living, breathing contradiction in a lot of ways, Pearl, as we all are. They always wanted to be edgier than they were coming off, and success was creating a band that was not that edgy. They were not the Ramones. Yeah, right. They were more like you two than, than anything else. Sure. Better Man I- exemplifies all that. And there's some, some, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I hate when the crowd sings Freddie. Because sometimes I'm like halfway through a show and I'm like, I haven't heard Eddie sing yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, shut up. We don't need to sing every song. I'm in your camp. Yeah, really? Sing in your car. <laughs> But I paid good money. Like, yeah. yeah. But I also understand the sentiment. I mean, like, you you love these songs, and you just want to be part of it. And I think it's cool that Eddie's okay with the crowd doing that. If I had to choose, I'd prefer to just hear him sing. I feel very lucky to have been at shows where Eddie was legitimately flabbergasted by how a crowd was singing entire verses to him. And Better Man was one of those where I think I, I was at a show where I watched him him become overcome by the emotion that the crowd was giving him back where he couldn't get into the next verse and they kind of fell apart and he had to restart everybody again. And I loved that moment. And that moment comes from this thing that Better Man has become, right? Where it's like everybody's waiting to sing. And the fact that that song was always about that break right where it kicks in they are so freaking good i got shit is another song that i when i'm in the car and i got shits coming on and i'm waiting for the you're not ugly you know i did the dream but i'm not ugly when you're looking at me and he breaks into that like oh my god that's what i love about that band and better man does that because that mid-song break (laughs) is just they're masters of it they're masters of it perfected that and uh better man has a great one Mm -hmm. which makes it so good live but crazy mary yeah it was I feel, I feel kind of silly that I talked about Better Man and I got goosebumps and then I booted it. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a knee-jerk reaction because just because of how much I love <laughs> I love it so much. We'll, we'll get to it. All right, number three overall, the Pearl Jam song. The Pearl Jam song for non-Pearl Jam people, Tens Alive against number 14 overall. Surprising, this one to me, versus Daughter. Uh, alive is seated what? Three. Daughter is seated 14. 14. Hmm. I feel like Daughter kind of falls into the, uh, the Better Man kind of radio pop song. It's awesome. It's a great, great song. I enjoy it. But I think that Alive, because it's become such an institution at their shows, uh, and there's just every time I get super pumped up about the McCready solo, mm-hmm. and the way that the, you know, Eddie talks, he, he's a great storyteller, obviously, and he has things to say about all his songs. But 
the way he has talked about Alive and, and what, what it meant when he wrote it and how it's changed over the years and what it means now. There's just so much history there mm-hmm. that you can't divorce from the song mm-hmm. that I think it's a pretty easy win for Alive, even though I know it's like, you know, everybody's favorite who doesn't know Pearl Jam, but as someone who doesn't know Pearl Jam as well as you guys, I, I, I'm okay with that. No, you keep saying that, but then you come up with hot takes, Ben. I think you're... Okay. So, no, I think that's... I think I don't think that's... I don't think Alive is a uh, populist vote at this point, right? It's, it's an important song. Mm-hmm. Jackie? So we were talking the other day, and remember how I said there's another song that they, like Fetterman and playing Save It For Later, I said there's another song that they tail end it with another, you know, cover, and I couldn't think of what it was. And doing a slight bit of just listening, I remembered Daughter was the other one I love. Mm-hmm. When they play Daughter and they go into It's Okay. Yeah. And I want to say that's Dead Kennedys, but it's not yeah. Dead Kennedys. And I forget who originally uh, did de- It's Okay. Uh, it's a Daughter into It's Okay. Yeah. Blows me away. It's my favorite. And and so this is a this is a weird seating where I I'm one of the I'm one of the pretentious people that's like all right, do we have to play the radio hits at the concerts? Like, right. I know them, I love them, we all love them. If if it were not for those radio hits, none of us would be here. I get it. But it, it, it's always tough where I want, I want the B-sides. Yeah. I want the covers and I, you know. So. I want Sonic Producer. Yeah. They're both singles. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's, it's the ones that we all know. I think I will also give it to Alive because of the Mama San trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. everything else that goes with it, I, I guess daughter and it's okay too much history yeah mm-hmm. daughter daughter into it's okay and I'll, and I'll say this and and another reason why I go with live because if daughter doesn't go into it's okay if it goes into Pink Floyd song if we go yeah into that, da- daughter into na na hey hey yeah daughter okay. into American Pie daughter into and, and so, you know, it's uh, okay comfortably it's numb personal, it's okay is my personal favorite when you transition from daughter into that but it isn't consistent the way I feel like better man is always consistently into save it for later um, so when daughter doesn't tail with it's okay I can do without and it often does not yeah it, it, it's a song that they do like to slow down the right. outro and just kind of right. let it fade. But so yeah, I think I'll, I'll give it to Alive because of, I agree with everything that Ben said, and also knowing the rest of the trilogy. It's not my favorite of the trilogy. Me neither. It's a part of it. And so to, to continue in the eulogizing of Daughter, that in the during the Yield tour, they did an awesome light show to that song. I don't know if you remember, where the, he would he would have the lights like fading down like shades and they were kind of coming out to the audience. That added a lot to that song too. John Prine writes a song in the point of view of a woman yeah. that is one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. Angel from Montgomery is top five, maybe top 10 of my favorite songs of all time. A gorgeous song I've used to teach writing workshops. His imagery in that song is just amazing. You know everything about this character, knowing only what John Prine gives you. And I think that the audacity, Eddie had that audacity to be like, on my second album, I'm going to write a song from the point of view of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a female victim of domestic violence. And I love that about that song. Like I love Ed's songwriting audacity. But I agree with both of you. Otherwise, it's, it's a no-brainer. It was, uh, it was originally a brother, was it not? I, I believe you're right. I think in the 20 documentary, he's on the tour bus with yeah. Stone writing it under yeah, the brother thing. And it does, I don't think it works. So I think whatever they did. It's like, hey, Jules. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, a <laughs> right. there's a reason why you have, this is why we edit. 
people. This is, this is our public service announcement to all you budding artists out there. All right, um, number, I mean, I didn't write down the number, so if the math gets wonky, I apologize. Even flow, which I think is four, I think is at four off of 10, the perennial 10 favorite against a closer, a, a perennial Pearl Jam closer, the never released on a full LP, Yellow Ledbetter. Okay. Yeah. When we get to jump up in even flow. Yeah. Always fun. Do yeah. Jump. I oh farts. Okay. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go full sentimental. And I, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my bummer drummer. Moment. Okay. I'm gonna be full sentimental. So my brother that I spoke of in the beginning, uh, my brother passed away five years ago. <laughs> I know. I was worried about this the whole I time. It was gonna be okay. Yellow lead pepper. As, as five against one, emulating Pearl Jam, they closed with Yellow Lead Better a whole lot. My mother didn't often go to Pearl, to the five against one shows, but she did every now and then. My mother truly doesn't know too much about Pearl Jam, but that was- As mothers shouldn't. <laughs> but uh, Yellow Lead Better was one that she always liked. She didn't know the name, but she was like, there's that one song that I can't quite understand. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, Yellow Lead Better. So that was one she always kind of liked. And then since my brother's passing, it is like now a top five favorite song for her. She loves it. Like I showed her how to pull it up on her Amazon Alexa. I, I, I downloaded Spotify for her so she can, at, at, at a moment's notice, when she's feeling happy and wants to think about Brian, she plays it. When she feels Aww. sad and wants to have a cry, she plays Yellow Lead Better. So Yellow Lead Better, for, for two very different reasons, it's very sentimental for my family now because of that. And in the complete opposite end of the spectrum, it's one of the funniest misheard lyrics yeah. in the entire world. If there's a YouTube video of misheard lyrics where it talks about a potato wave, like... <laughs> <laughs> And a wizard right. on a whale. And a wizard on a whale. Yeah. Um, so I, I apologize for bringing the room. Um, no, no, it's know, beautiful. I'm, I, for very, very sentimental reasons, I will, I will give it to Yellow Light better. Okay. It's hard to compete with. I'm yeah, sorry. I know. <laughs> God, I. I, I mean, go ahead, vote against me. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, going with my heart, I, I love Yellow Light better. It's got a great story to it. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear Eddie talk about it uh, and his childhood friend. I think it's just a cool, a cool thing. I, I'm always a sucker for McCready solos, and the solo in the studio album is great, but the live solos during Inflow are mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. Whether he's playing it in front or in back, mm -hmm. they're, they're yeah. all awesome. Mm -hmm. So I really, I want to go with that one, but my heart, my heart's just held. Yeah. And I don't think, yeah, I, I I can never go against, I can never go against that now, Jackie. But and McCready solos in Yellow Lead Better are, are, are so good. And getting to see the last night, knowing that the, the Philadelphia Spectrum, which was the best place to see shows, the best place to see shows. I saw The Grateful Dead at the Spectrum. I saw uh, Bruce Springsteen at the Spectrum more than one. And I feel so lucky to say that. 
to see to know that Pearl Jam was closing that place and that McCready's, you know, taking Yellow Lead Better into the Star Spangled Banner was going to be the last reverberating echo in that building it meant a lot to me. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with it too. <laughs> but I will also say I get really pissed off that when and this happens with young people and my Ben is also my brother-in-law, so he knows that my my wife's a bit younger than me and I see something in her face when I tell her that I love Pearl Jam, something that she doesn't quite get and I know she thinks of them as a the mumbly band. I think a lot of people when you say oh I love Pearl Jam they go you're like no 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 you don't understand yeah what I'm talking about and so I do hate the mumble thing I I don't have TikTok there was a TikTok video that came out and it, it was like a picture of like or it was like a video of a guy looking out the window and it said when Eddie Vedder said I really felt that so many people sent that to me yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, everybody keeps, and like, I mean, my friends now, I'm the, I'm the one that still hangs on the Pearl Jam. Yeah, so it's yeah. funny, but so many people sent that to me. And I'm like, you know, I get it. It's not every song. You can No, it isn't. It isn't. Yellow Ledbetter in particularly. I mean, I, I saw Eddie in North Jersey. It was just when they were one of his solo tours. It was just Eddie stool on a carpet yeah, yeah. playing mm -hmm. songs. And he starts to play. He, he wanted to, he started to play Yellow Ledbetter. He even was like, I don't, I don't think I know the words to the song. Like, I don't think I know. Like, <laughs> right. He, about, he knows. He knows, yeah. You know, he knows that, that, that how it sounds, and he knows that there's no real words to these songs. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, but, uh... But I think that there was a thing about the way he was like, I don't care if you can understand it. The growl, the growl mattering as much as the words themselves. You know, I, I rewatched before you guys showed up. I remember the MTV Music Awards performance of theirs meaning so much to me when I was a teenager. And just watching his face and watching him sort of like shake and, and fight off the words and all that emotion, all that rage that he was always exuding. And you wonder, how did he just have it always to give? live you know how did he he just comes after he comes with it night after night and and uh, that, that that that's married to the mumbling for me and that's why I get really pissed off about the mumbling because I, to me like it was that thing that he was doing it was that arms folded rocking frontman thing that really did kind of exemplify our generation somehow and so I take it as an affront to like the whole generation <laughs> x thing which is I got that's my own issues but and also one of the reasons it's so maligned by some is that there were just so many bands that pretenders yeah latched onto that yeah that you know kind of ruined a little yeah you i think i talked over you but say it again for editing purposes when i you said that's not it do that whole line again you were like that's not eddie vetter that's i don't know the guy's name but i think oh, you met the guy Creed. from creed yeah, yeah. <laughs> right you know? yeah like who else there were so many well even i mean people i i, I enjoy the stone 20 pilots i think they're a great band yeah but in a lot of ways they were you know, yeah they were yeah they were doing the same um, thing yeah and th there were plenty others yeah well. like uh, Days of the New. Days of the New. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was the Shine? The Shine band. There? Uh, Live? No, no, no. no. Uh, I'm thinking of um, yeah. I see them in my head. <laughs> Seven three. <laughs> no, but they're another one. That's not Candlebox, is it? No, but Candlebox is another is another one. Yeah, we'll think of it. But Collective Soul. I go. just got it. Yeah, Collective Soul was another one. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like because it became an iconic thing. So you're right. It's for it to be maligned should be the fact that it's so easily lampooned is a credit to how iconic it's become. All right, Yellow Ledbetter moves on. Black versus Elderly Woman. This is a funny seating. Yeah. Uh, because 
in a live show, these are generally my, I'm going to go take a break and go to the bathroom songs. <laughs> Both of them? These are my pocket yeah. songs. Yeah, okay. Um, where I'm like, I'm good. Like, I'll, I'll catch you guys. I'll be right back in the, you know, however long it takes you to play it. I'm going to go pay. Black, just because... I have seen that song play live bring people to tears. Not me personally. Yeah, me neither, but, I but yeah. I've seen people be yeah. so moved by that song in concert. So, uh, to, honestly, this is a, a round where whichever one goes through, meh, whichever one. Like, these are both pretty low on my list as far as what I want to see live, but I've seen Black be super impactful. It's funny. I feel the same way, but I, it's funny how, how glib I could be now when, because six 16-year-old me, oh, I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky was the height of poetry for 16-year-old me. But, okay, good call. Ben? Uh, I'm going to gonna be oppositional and uh, I'll go with my elder woman. I, I think I enjoy, it's very sing-along-y. It's like one of the only ones that I can actually play on a guitar. Oh, nice. Uh, which has nothing to do with my choice. I think it's fun that it's uh, it's been played for so long and... Eddie always finds a funny way to roll into it. A joke involved, which I, I find endearing. Right. Um, it's all good The crowd loves it yeah. still. And here, second song from that album in which Eddie writes from the point of view of a female, you know, character. Well, I don't have to do any work here, gang, because the listeners pushed Black ahead into the Elite Eight. So they chose Black over Elderly Woman. Um, so we can eulogize Elderly Woman any further if we'd like. Very long title. Yeah, very long title. Hearts and Thoughts. Hearts and Thoughts. Thoughts, hearts people. And thoughts. They fade hearts away. And they do. To elderly woman. <laughs> hearts and thoughts. They do sure do fade away, though. That's the truth. The next bracket has. I'm and I've lost the math now, so just bear with me. So our higher seated, our favorite is a song that also is never on a official Pearl Jam LP, but was on the all important single soundtrack for the Cameron Crowe movie, "State of Love and Trust." Against this is the Sophie's choice of this bracket for me. "State of Love and Trust" against the last song on. Release. This is a tough, tough bracket right here. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the song Release. It's one of my favorite. Uh, I think when I when I listen to Ten, one of the things that I picked up after listening to it over and over and over again, as you do, is that the last three songs like really go together. As mm-hmm. Imagine this. Intentionally put the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, his little operas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I I think that that for that reason it really really sells it for me the way that it goes from uh what is it it's uh deep comes from right before release right yeah that's garden yep. and then garden right. yep and then ocean um, before that so just the way that it it's almost like a, a whole little movie in there or a, a story where you have the you know the, the intro and you you learn about the the characters and then there's this something they overcome and then this cathartic release at the end yeah aptly named yeah uh, i have to go with with release Okay. I don't want to show all my cards. Uh-oh. But I'll show all my cards. Uh-oh. State of Love and Trust is my number one oh. time with a bullet favorite Pearl Oh, God, that song. It is my favorite Pearl Jam song, period, full stop. I can't, I cannot vote against it. I don't expect it to win, so I know that it will be eulogized at some point, but I can't, I cannot vote against it. It is my all-time favorite song. Whenever they play it live, I get so excited. I lose my voice and I will scream every lyric and... 
There we go. I cannot vote against it. I know it won't win, but in the moment where I can vote for it, I have to vote for it. Sorry, Jim. Yeah, I said it's Sophie's Choice. I was hoping so much that you guys were going to figure this out for me. No song highlights the contrast between McCready's axe and Stone's. The jangle of Stone versus the crunch of McCready in the first 10 seconds of that song is fucking, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, though? The dun, 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 dun. I mean, that's it. That's the ba- That's that band right there. Careful. That, you get, I just, I just had copyright issues. It was under 10 seconds. The marriage of that and then Ed's so mad about shit that you feel mad about, too. And I've never been someone who's been that mad. But when he says the barrel shakes point directly at my fucking head, I'm with him every time. Every time. With that said, I go with Ben. State of love and trust never gets played live well, Jackie. I know you're, I know, and I love it. I love it. And I want to see it on the set list every time. Yeah. They never deliver. Eddie always fumbles the verses. He does. does. Always. I'm completely, I'm I'm blinded by my love of that song where, and And like I said, I did not expect it to win, so. They never solo it. They never solo it. So McCready, I'm convinced, is just trying to get through it. And Stone, sometimes, some shows, Stone's trying to get through every song. Yeah. Sometimes I think, like, Stone's still waiting to leave the band. There is, and I'm not going to, we're going to talk about it now. I agree wholeheartedly with Ben about just the power of release. And we'll we'll talk about that later. I, I go release. Talk more about Say Love and Trust. So, as you said, I mean, Singles is, Singles was one of those movies that I remember watching as a preteen and teenager and being like, there, there were two movies that I watched as a preteen slash teenager that I legitimately molded my style. <laughs> I saw these movies and went, okay, that's what I have to do. And that's kind of cool I have to be. And it was singles and reality bites. I yeah. wanted to be Winona. They were like the same movie too, right? really. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to be like an amalgamation of like, I want to be like smart and hip like Winona Ryder. But I want to also have like the cool Janine Garofalo. Garofalo thing, yeah, the sarcasm. And then I wanted to be Kira Sedgwick, uh, Sedgwick and uh, Bridget Fonda. Yeah, 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 like yeah. I wanted, yeah, to, yeah. I, I wanted to be Bridget Fonda and have the cool rock and roll boyfriend, but I also wanted to be like mature Kira Sedgwick. Like, uh, seriously, like I looked at those women in those movies and being like, okay, that's how I have to dress. That's how I have to act. I need to memorize what the definition of ironic is. So if anybody ever asks me what the definition <laughs> of ironic is, I can boom, boom. Like those two movies, pepper in a little bit of the crow because I wanted to shave my head like the little girl in crow. But that, they molded what I wanted to act like, look like, yeah. everything. I mean, to this day, I joke about like, if someone's like, oh, what's your favorite band? I'm like, Citizen Dick. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Touch me, I'm Dick. Like, right, right, I'm, right. I'm yeah, yeah. So cool as, as everybody in those movies. Singles is a super, super important molding movie growing up for me, like molding who I was and how I looked and how I acted in high school. I have always preferred the fast, more upbeat Pearl Jam songs. I mean, obviously I love them all. They're all great. Uh, But I've always had the preference to the more upbeat ones, the rare 
happy ones, even if the lyrics aren't the happiest, like the more upbeat ones. I mean, like Leaving Here is great. Damn yeah. is great. Like, give me a peppy, happy Pearl Jam song. Right. So I always like the more upbeat over some of the slower ones. Yeah. So it's just, I want to go to a show and I want to jump up and down and I want to sing until my voice is hoarse and I want to just rock. So... There's, there's a lot of love, and I don't know what it is in particular that makes it just sound better than everything else, but it is, like, it, it's never, it, if someone said put together a top 10 list of your favorite Pearl Jam songs, come back to me in a year, and we'll figure it out together. <laughs> yeah. But if someone just is like, number one, right now, song, yeah, go. right. And it has been this way nope. for more than a decade. It's yeah. State of Love and Trust. Say Love and Trust is on in my top three for sure. Any anything about it from someone who came to it late who wasn't so shaped, who didn't who didn't want a <laughs> yeah, citizen think, dick shirt? What do you my my uh I didn't watch singles as a when I, in my formative years. Yeah. <laughs> you miss a movie, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you miss a movie sometimes. And then you, and you, the people around you is oh yeah, how did you miss that movie? It's so awesome, and then you go watch it and it's like it wasn't that awesome. It's right. just so much of it is about the time. Um, and, and it is a good movie but I don't have that same connection with it you do and because it didn't end up on any of the studio albums that that I listened mm-hmm. to like I kind of just I don't have the same connection with it yeah it's a good song and I, that's but you gotta forget no I get like when it's not on consistently forget it well I think just when it comes when it doesn't come to you at a certain point I think if that song didn't hit me at that age then I would have missed out on it I, in researching for the show though I came across a quotation from Cameron Crowe where he said he feels like singles in two songs was overblown from that album to State of Love and Trust he felt like State of Love and Trust was a template for that yeah movie for him. All right, let's keep it rolling. We're in the middle brackets now. Two more to go for the first round. Rearview Mirror. Mirror. I don't know why I said it like that. Mirror. Rearview Mirror versus Jeremy. This one is a tough one, but I have to keep reminding myself we're going live version. Yep. And that being said, Rearview Mirror. Easily. Mm -hmm is yeah. a better song that you because again we get to play with we get a solo and then you know Eddie's gonna go off and drink some red wine <laughs> right yes. again like that moment of they're soloing they're riffing they're doing that and yep. then suddenly that bass comes back in that boom yeah boom boom the king we get to be angry yeah we get to scream kings, we get to be angry yeah again. kings of the mid-song break they really are I mean there's so many moments like that yep I also remember at some point, way later than it ever should have happened after that song came out, it dawned on me what he meant by wanting to see you in the rear yeah. mirror. Because I'm just, I always just ask, see you in my rear view mirror. Right. And then like one day I was like, oh, because that means I'm getting away from you. Yeah. And it was like, I was probably in college. Like, yeah. And I was like, I get it now. <laughs> and right. then it was just this impactful moment of me not just singing a lyric, but actually listening to what he was saying. Yeah, good, good call. Uh, I'm gonna agree and go with Rear View Mirror. Yeah. I don't yeah. have a lot to say. Yeah, banger, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun, fun yeah. Fun, yeah. fun song. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I agree, yeah. So not that it matters, but yeah, you guys, okay, so you moved on Rear View Mirror. I, I think there's a lot of simple pleasures in Jeremy Live, right? The woo, woo, woo. Being, you know, in the early days when Eddie actually uh, committed to them. <laughs> Nowadays, Eddie, not so much. He's very happy to let the audience do those. <laughs> to watch him, to watch him do that in his 20s, 20s though, where he's just like laying it all out there and then even the you know the audience saying fuck 
together. Um, the arms raised in a V. I think oh, there's a lot of simple Pearl Jam pleasures in it. But it's I'm tired of Jeremy. I don't care. Yeah, I, if I want Jeremy, I literally want to watch the music video. I want to see the, yeah. the head shake. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. grinding it. I want to see the music video. Yeah. Take me back to baby Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Singing that song. If I want Jeremy. So young, so handsome. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And the last bracket of the first round. Man, this took us a lot longer than we thought it was going to. <laughs> Given to Fly versus Porch. Tough ones. And so this is Yield versus 10, right? Given to Fly is on Yield. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I, I, I think I have emotional attachment to Given to Fly. Okay. I enjoy the joke that exists there that McCready blatantly robbed. Going to California. Yeah. <laughs> throw all my cards out there but I enjoy the joke and in the song it's more than that that song is is spectacular and it's uh, just it's very melodic so I'm, I'm gonna go with it is it is beautiful. What is the joke? Did he did he say thematically he wanted the song to match going to California? Because I've always felt like it takes away from it. McCready the, the the main lick. Yeah, McCready gets to Jimmy Page. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's an interview out there where it's I think uh, Robert Plant is talking to Eddie. You've seen you've seen this. No, I don't think I have. Uh, and and he, he basically I think he's talking to Eddie. I don't know who, who the band he's talking to, but essentially he like ribs him and he's like what's that song you play uh and then they, I think in the interview it gets referred to as given to California because <laughs> it's, you know, it's and, the same song yeah and he said something to the effect of you know I'm still waiting on that royalty check uh, <laughs> but I think one of the reasons I love Pearl Jam so much is the fact that they take so many influences from classic rock bands that mm -hmm. I love um Led Zeppelin being one of them that that kind of sells it for me on, on that song not because of that specifically but just it's Puts it over the edge, if you will. I always like the way that they do Given to Fly live over the studio album. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like that one line, and he just changes the notes just a little bit to yeah. make it a little bit more dramatic. Yeah, I love watching Eddie sing Given to Fly. Yeah, it's, and I, I remember seeing that song live for the first time. Like, I, I, I don't often remember visually what's happening in the concert. But I remember that they had the scrim of the birds on the wire, mm -hmm. and it was very pretty. All of that being said, yeah, I, I porch. Like, I, I want to get up. I want to rock. I want to stand on a stool. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the song that we stand on a stool for. Like, to me, it's as... As much as I've grown with the band and I like how the band has evolved into what they are. They all grew up. We got more mature. Porch is just such a fun song. Yeah. So, and I, and I just stated that I, I generally do like the more upbeat, faster tempo, real kind of gnarly rock. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go Porch. Yeah, Given a Fly over the years has given them a lot of uh, stage. And they're not one for big stage directions. They've never been a band that's about light shows or anything like that. But they, they've done interesting things with Given to Fly over the years that have they've really worked into the imagery of the song. And the song is beautiful in that way. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I hope I don't upset anybody by saying this. Is it my favorite rock song about Jesus Christ? I mean, maybe, you know, like in a way, right? Like, I think the biblical imagery in Given to Fly is just undeniable. And so it seems like it's such an enigma from coming from that band. 
there's more there than I thought about because I think it's unlike any other Pearl Jam song. That said, I don't like when McCready gets so Led Zeppelin-y and he's so guilty of it. I didn't want this to say this at the time because there was so much power in your story. But yo, Ledbetter's little wing too. Jimmy, Jimmy's not going to ask for it, but Jimmy deserves a royalty check too, right? And you're right, Ben. They own it. And they own it in that rock and roll way of like, hey, we all borrow from each other. They played Little Wing. You know, how many times has, has McCready literally played Little Wing as an outro to, to Yellow Ledbetter? He's not hiding anything. But I just, I don't know that the, the Give It A Fly is not a song that resonates with me in that way because I feel like, do I want to just listen to Houses of the Holy? I feel like Porch feels like Pearl Jam. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So I'm going to go with Porch. Well, I agree with that. Um, I, 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 I do disagree that you said it's it's not a, a rocking song because it's very dynamic. It has like slower, beautiful, more beautiful parts, That's but true. like there's some pretty anthemic portions of that song where, like you say, they get the light show in there, yeah, like shouting, yeah. So it's it's a rocket song. It it uh, it it is structurally it's such a cool song, and and when you think about what they're saying and how that works structurally. Like I love so many subtle things. I just voted against it. But like, you know, even when they come back out of the first chorus and, and the character in the song who may be Jesus, who may not be Jesus, is in a tree. Yeah. And there's this like, you know, when you think of someone being washed into a tree, there should be this like, right? Like this like, and the fact that they are musically like emulating that come down, but going to California has one of the coolest breaks, vocal breaks, in any classic rock song ever. When Plant goes off into the like, almost like rapping of the da 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 like, I'm like, oh my God, like, and I feel like there's a little bit of Given a Fly that's also structurally stealing that. And I'm just, I don't know. Sometimes they go a little too far into. So, all right, first round concluded. Well done, gang. That only took seven hours. Okay. <laughs> Wow, Eddie was absolutely right. Some things, some things, some things are so much clearer when they're in that rearview mirror. Eight songs remain in our Pearl Jam Every Month Madness tournament bracket. Big thank yous to Ben and Jackie. Of course, you can hear Jackie on the Jersey Ghouls podcast and her newest project, The Ones We Miss, movie retrospective podcast. And I will have links to both of those shows. In our show notes, if you want to hear more of Ben Crowley, you got to tune in right here to Every Month Madness. We have him on exclusive. Me, my name is Joe Costal. I'd be happy to hear what you think about the show. You can reach out to me on the socials. I'm at Costal Joe on Instagram. I'm at Joe Costal on Twitter. I'll make sure to have links to both of those in the show notes as well. Let me know what you like, what you don't. Tell me what we did wrong, what we're doing well. Also, consider giving us some ideas for future shows on the horizon of Every Month Madness. 80s theme songs coming down the pike. But before that... The Elite Eight Pearl Jam episode, part two of this one. Alive, Black, Corduroy, Crazy Mary, Porch, Rearview Mirror, Release, and Yellow Ledbetter all battle out for ultimate Pearl Jam song supremacy. We'll have Ben and Jackie back here to decide what is the best Pearl Jam live performance of all time. Right here on Every Month Madness. We'll see you in two weeks, everybody. Thanks for joining us.